you have some kind of trial or discomfort in your life right now? What are you doing with that? Are you pleading with God to take it away, to get through it fast, and to get to the other side of it so you can start living again? Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, you're going to hear Jerry's story 40 years ago. It was the fall of 1983. Jerry was playing football. Something happened on the field that night in that game that would change his life. You're going to hear about that event, how he looks at it through the lens of the sovereignty of God some 40 years later. And if you're going through something that you don't want to be going through, I want you to filter your story through what Jerry shares with us today. That's straight ahead on Chris Fabry Live. Thank you for stopping by here in late January. I think what you're going to hear today will be one of those conversations that you're going to want to suggest to someone. Maybe it will keep you in the car a few minutes longer than you planned, so I'll warn you. Let me thank our team. Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer in the chair today. Anthony will be answering your calls. Thank you, friends and partners. I'm so encouraged by those of you who have reached out this month with your support. I was looking this morning. The last person who has given this month is Alita. She has a star beside her name, and that's because she's given for the first time to the program. Alita, thank you. Maybe you're in that group. You've never given to support us. You didn't even know we needed it. Well, I want to encourage you to call or click through. We have three days left in our offer of the book by Dr. Bill Thrasher about prayer. That's going to come up in the conversation today, too. But if you feel like your prayer life needs a jolt, needs some help, if you sense that there's more to prayer than what you're experiencing, I want to send you this helpful little book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Again, we only have three days left. Call 866-95-FABRY or go to chrisfabrylive.org. We are late in the fourth quarter of January, and we need your help to get to the goal line. Push us through. Push us over the goal line today. We're uh, we're at the 40-yard line, so we need a long pass from somebody. <laughs> 866-953-2279 or go to chrisfabrylive.org. And thank you for being a back fence friend or a partner. I got an email. Peter said, I know you love a good story. This isn't a good one. It's a truly great God-given one, and you're going to love this guy. And Peter describes the story and give me some links, which I spent some time going through. And the story is basically this. Forty years ago, November 18, 1983, Jerry was a 17-year-old Mennonite kid from rural Nebraska. He was in the starting lineup of the Henderson Huskies, and they were playing against the Hastings St. Cecilia team on their field. The opening kickoff happens of this state football championship game. Jerry sprints down the field. He was in on the tackle of the ball carrier. I've seen the video, the the old film of this. And that was the last football game Jerry ever played. It was the last time Jerry sprinted or walked. His life changed forever in that instant because his C4 and C5 vertebrae were fractured and he was instantly paralyzed. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But the thing I really want to talk with Jerry about is why he would say that that was one of the best days of his life. Jerry Ediger is a Bible teacher at Westminster Christian Academy in Watkinsville, Georgia. You heard a little bit about the accident. 
After it, he finished high school, graduated from Columbia Bible College, which is now Columbia International University. He got married. He and his wife, Amy, had been married for 25 years. They have two teenagers. Jerry, I feel like I know you, and I haven't talked with you, uh, except for the beginning of the program, before the program. How you doing today? Yeah, we're doing great, Chris. Thank you so much for uh, your ministry and having me on. I am. Uh, I've been looking forward to this because I know there's somebody listening who needs to hear your story. Why would you say that was one of the best days of your life when you broke your neck? Oh wow! I um, appreciate that question. I would just say that um, I love to know the fact that God's sovereign in, in everything that happens, and you know we're guaranteed of that right in Scripture, Romans eight twenty eight, and you know maybe a hundred other places. Um, talk about how all things work together for good because, um, you know, we love God and he's called us according to his purpose. So I just believe that he's tailor made every trial for us. Um, perfect, different for everybody. And, uh, November, November 18, 1983, the one that was perfect for me was to, uh, to break my neck in that football accident and, or I guess, um, injury. And, and it has turned out to be just uh, a billion times better than I could have imagined. I I think circumstantially it has, but way bigger than that, just so much sanctification that I imagine I would have missed out on had it not happened. <laughs> okay, so take me back to the bus ride going over to Saints, to Hastings, and tell yeah. me what was going on in your heart and what was going on with the team that, that evening. Yeah, well, certainly arrogance in my heart. I remember thinking that if we... Um, you know, scored a touchdown or two, our defense would be good enough to, um, to, to win the championship game. And so it wasn't a, a show of humility on my part for sure. But, uh, I, um, uh, my, when you said sprint earlier, I almost cracked me up, Chris, because I think that's pretty generous. I don't know that I really ever got past <laughs> a, a waddle, but, uh, I was holding for our kicker and he kicked off. And when I, by the time I got down there, usually guys had long since been tackled, but this time he was still going. And uh, the coach said about my football playing ability, he said, Jerry's small, but he's slow. So I had that that going for me. And so he anyway, he was about at the 33-yard line when I hit him by, I mean, probably as hard as I'd ever hit anybody. And it was definitely spearing. They probably would have given me a 30-yard penalty for uh, my head uh, being down. So when you watch the play, it, it definitely, um, you know, my helmet met his and, and it dislocated my vertebrae. You know, I would say now just perfectly C4, C5. Um, you know, I think the Lord knew C6 would be a little high and C3 would be a little low. You know, it was just the right place, uh, because of his perfect, uh, providential hand and, and sovereignty and all things. And, so it is turned, and you know, to be honest, Chris, it, even circumstantially, anything that could have went wrong hasn't really, and anything that could have went right seems like it's happened twice. So, um, you know, he has been very gracious across the board, but but nothing in comparison to the spiritual um, aspect. We're going to get into that with Jerry Ediger today, and uh, if you go to the website, you'll see a picture of him. There's all kinds of information on YouTube and uh, uh, sermons that he's given where he's talked about what we're going to talk about today, but I want you to hear more of the story 
especially in the video that I saw, the film of Jerry's mom and dad walking out onto the field after he uh, has his neck broken there. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Our number is 877-548-3675. Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, Jerry Ediger is telling his story. And if you'd like to talk with him, you can call us at 877-548-3675. But I think a lot are going to want to just sit and listen to this man who says that his idol a lot of times has been comfort and an easy life, and God has loved him too much (laughs) to allow him to have that. So we're going back to 1983, you're 17 years old, you're running down the field, you you break your neck at C4, C5, and everything kind of comes to a stop. I mean, that was the first play of the championship game, and the you can see the referee blowing his whistle and waving, and then it's, you were there, what, like 20 minutes on the field? Yes, sir, 20 minutes. And there were people who pushed other people away from you because they knew this was pretty serious. Yeah, there was. There was, you know, again, by God's perfect plan, a, uh, a man came uh, kind of just flying in. I believe he's a man guess, guess could have been, you know, certainly placed there by the Lord and, um, you know, kind of got everybody away because he knew it looked like, you know, I just went down in a heap when I hit the guy. And so... He um, was great at being uh, kind of the, the chief there to uh, make sure they didn't turn my head in the wrong way or further injury, you know, get a fur- further injury where it already happened. Right. And your parents, that was the most haunting thing that I saw because your your dad walks on and he's got one of those furry hats on. Yeah, he and your mom walk yeah. on the field. When you see that now, because you play this every year and, and kind of relive it, when you see that, what goes through your heart? Yeah, you know, uh, you heard for him, and it uh, makes me a little emotional to think about now as a dad going through um, something like that. But just like God's grace is sufficient for me, it was certainly sufficient for them. And God's plan for them was, um, you know, suddenly changed in their mind. But a godly family grew up, didn't, you know, no one had an easier growing up days than I did or more fun, comfortable, packed with laughter, just godly parents. Mom's favorite verse was uh, Ephesians 3, 20, not him who was able to do more abundantly than all we asked or think according to the power at work within us. And, you know, I know they just hung on. To scripture and uh, certainly really life changing. Um, everything about our family had to change a bunch for my older brother, for my younger brother, Randy and Mike. Things changed drastically, but um, always for the good. That's what's thrilling to me about knowing the Lord Jesus is, uh, you know, every day is better than the next um, or better than the last one just because of God's grace. What did you think about God before, you know, you're 17 years old, you're a teenager, you're playing, you're playing a game you love, even if you are a little slower, <laughs> you're playing. What, what did you think about God at this time in your life? Yeah, no, he grew up my heart when I was a little guy. And so I, you know, I had to grow in love and, and sanctification, I think, but 
Um, certainly, football would have been an idol, countless other idols, you know, being popular or uh, I wasn't very athletic, so that wasn't very tempting. But just, you know, other things for a 17-year-old guy. And so um, I remember riding the ambulance on the uh, after the 20 minutes they got me out there, and it was just a minute or two, Chris. But I remember thinking, I I believe this is going to really accelerate my uh, love for the Lord um, just because no one had had an easier life before then. And, uh, you know, at that point I was starting to wonder, I, I think this is, this is going to be maybe more serious than um, anything else that I had walked through. Um, and so it has turned out to be uh, just a, a fantastic pouring out of God's grace. Used to seem like he, he did it with a glass and then with a five gallon bucket. Now it just seems like the 55 gallon drum of grace every day. <laughs> but the, the now it sounds like everything was cotton candy and bonbons then. But you spent a lot of time in the hospital. It was did you did you think at that when you were riding in the ambulance? I'm never going to walk again. No, I sure didn't. That's a great question. I would have been convinced that God would have healed me up. Now I at that point I didn't know how serious it was. It was probably that night or the next day where you know, where the doctor really said, uh, you know, this is a permanent deal. These aren't, your spinal cord's not going to heal up and uh, you're never going to walk again. And at that point, I really was kind of flipping about that. I, I thought, I certainly the Lord will, will heal me. Um, not that we grew up in, uh, you know, in any sort of a health, wealth and prosperity sort of gospel. We grew up, you know, believing that God would would bring about trials, but I was really confident that I would get healed up. But yeah, I think, and and certainly people prayed that way at the beginning, grew up in just a really tight knit Mennonite community. People were fascinating and just so gracious about the way they prayed and uh, sought the Lord on my behalf. Um, But, you know, I'd say now God did a way better, bigger, uh, more favorable thing by not healing me, but instead his grace. It just seems like if we're going to go through the trial, to me, it seems more scriptural that um, better to go through the trial and get God's grace than to not go through the trial at all. Mm. And uh, so I've spent way too much of my time praying that trials wouldn't happen instead of, you know, confessing my sin when when my attitude's not right, when they do. So how long of a process did that take then for you to come to that realization? Or was it, was it a progressive thing where you, you believed it back then, but now you see it 40 years later, even, even clearer? I think that's exactly right. I think that from the beginning, God's grace was so overwhelming. And it, you know, it's like in second Corinthians um, 12, nine and 10, you know, Paul pleads with him to, to take away that thorn in the flesh. And Jesus' answer is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so that has been the case. His grace has been sufficient. John one sixteen says, for the fullness of his, um, for, from his fullness, we've all received one grace after another. And that's what it seems like it's been. So, no, definitely um, become more convinced of that, you know, probably minutely since that day. But there was an overwhelming amount of grace. And even laying out on the football field, 
the peace, you know, that only the believer can have, the peace that surpasses all understanding, like the Philippians 4, 7 peace, uh, flooded flooded me while uh, laying out on the field and just in those coming up days. Yeah. I went for a walk before the program today, you know, about a half hour before the program, and it wasn't very long. I just walked down the, the sidewalk and then went back, and I thought— it's been 40 years since Jerry has done this. 40 years. you and, and then I started thinking of all the things that you have not been able to do because of that injury and the, the, the fracture. But it sounds like you haven't, you haven't focused as much on what you can't do, rather what God has allowed you to do. Is that true? Well— I would say, Chris, at first I was really driven to get, uh, to walk again, to, you know, get better physically. And I don't think there was anything wrong with that. But I remember in 1990, probably, and that probably seven years after I got hurt, uh, a verse, First Timothy 4, 8, for, says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. So I think what happened was I realized, you know, what if I was running in the 1992 Olympics? That'd be kind of fun. But what is that in comparison to, you know, the godliness that has value in this life and the life to come? And so I I think now, you know, would it be tempting to trade um, 1% of the sanctification to be walking again? Yeah, I guess so, but that'd be a bad trade. You know, God (laughs) is perfect about bringing that right trial and and all the trials that go with being the quadriplegic. You're right, there's not all all bonbons and the cotton candy, that is for sure. But every single day, all of those trials, they're just swarmed with with His grace, which, you know, out of the two, better to have the trial and the grace as well. I read somewhere where there are men who will come to your house and help you get ready. There's one man who said, I get up somewhere after four o'clock and I'm there at five to help Jerry. And he said that he wouldn't miss that time because he said, I get an hour of discipleship every time I come. So do you have a team around you helping you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I love talking about these guys. It's fascinating and, you know, makes me emotional thinking of them, too. Uh, it, Chris, thinking back, I just thought about this the other day. There were 10 guys that the Lord brought that were seniors when I was, and, and they were really probably my 10 best friends or 10 of my best friends that came over. Two of them would come every Monday. Two of them would come over every Tuesday, two every Wednesday to help my mom and dad get me up you know, when I got back from the hospital in March, I was in the hospital for four months. And then those guys came uh, until I graduated um, in in May. So they came over for a couple months. But little did I know that um, my wife is just an incredibly faithful lady and so loyal. And I mean, I can't, I can go on and on forever and not begin to even describe uh, how uh, grateful I am and how blessed I am um, beyond measure through Amy, my wife of 25 years. So she got me up for the first uh, six years of our marriage and put me to bed, you know, every night, just if she doesn't do that, then I'm still laying in bed or I'm, I'm, you know, not, not uh, getting to bed one or the other. So, so faithfully 
And then when we had our son, Ben, 19 years ago, um, she teaches school as well. So she just didn't have time anymore. And so Mike Osborne, um, I called him. He was uh, working with FCA students. I said, I'm going to need someone that can come over really early, uh, you know, hard work, no pay, really, uh, you know, to get me up. And probably the whole process takes an hour. And he called three days later and he said, hey, I would – I think I would like to do that. I think God's called me to do that. And so he's been coming over for 19 years. I mean, it's fascinating. There's <laughs> Kevin and John Switch coming over on Mondays. Ken comes on Tuesday. David on Wednesday. Um, Steve comes on Thursday. Alan on Friday. Mike's come for 19 years now on Saturday. And then uh, Ben and um, Billy Dudley do Sunday. And I just say, these guys, who wants to be up in the fours? You know, but they come over in order that I can get to school and and uh, teach them school and just help me get ready. And uh, they, I do feel sorry a little bit for anybody that's got to get up on their own because it's really um, a ton of fun. We get to pray for each other and pray for our families. And man, I would have really missed out on that had you know. I guess this not happened forty years ago. <laughs> Um, what are your students? My my guess is that everybody loves Mr. Ediger, and they want to be. They want to. You are all the barriers that are that are up between a student and a teacher, or a student and administrator, or whatever. All of that's down with you. Is that true? Oh yeah. Well. I don't know. I don't. It depends what memorization day is. They don't write me on memorization when they have to stand up in front of the class and, you know, learn their memory verse. But no, they're it's they are a great group. I I have 101 students and they are fantastic. And you know, someone said if you love what you teach and who you teach, that makes teaching a lot of fun. And it it certainly is the best job in North America as far as I'm concerned because of just uh, the joy of teaching them. So. Yeah, I don't know. They have to help me a lot. Um, there's a lot of laughing and there's a lot of fun, but there's, you know, I I just love it because you get to meditate on the Word all day long and, you know, observe to do according to all that's written there, and then God will make our way prosperous and have good success, and so I, I can't imagine a better job. Yeah. And your I can't imagine what happened then when you came back to school in March. And how I mean, I'm sure that those, the other students were very accepting of you, but how were you able to focus on the learning and and the doing, and how did you do your assignments and all of that? Yeah, no, I didn't do I didn't do very well. But really, I graduated that semester. I had enough hours to graduate that semester, so I was way motivated to get better, and not very motivated to to do school. Um, for sure. And it probably wasn't until I got to Columbia Bible College, which would have been, uh, I worked really hard at physical therapy mainly for that next four years. And then in 1988, when I went to, uh, now CIU, that was when I really thought this, now I'm excited to, uh, you know, to study again and to grow and, um, to be a little bit more focused. So no, I was kind of a menace to anybody else who wanted to study. I wouldn't get a lot done in the books. <laughs> Paul is in Naples, Florida. Paul, you're on with Jerry. Go right ahead. Yeah, hi, Chris. Hi, Jerry. Um, hi, Paul. You know, I'm listening to... Hi, Jerry. I'm just listening to your story. And um, way, way back when I was a, a 
young Christian back in the 70s, um, mid-70s. I was very much influenced by Johnny Erickson's story in the book, her first book that she wrote. And so many of the things that you're saying uh, parallel her Christian journey. And I'm just wondering, have you had, have you noticed that, or are you familiar with Johnny's ministry and that she's a quadriplegic and, you know, has a great ministry as far as bringing um, wheelchairs around the world? Have you heard, have you heard about that story? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, we love Johnny. My wife is Johnny Erickson, Todd, and Elizabeth Elliott. She has devoured every single uh, book or thought by either one of them, and so yeah, we. Yeah, Johnny is amazing, and she just, and I think she's maybe 73, could that be? She's been in the chair forever, and just such an inspiration, the way she goes about things, and, you know, you have to love her just view of heaven and thinking of eternal things, focused on the eternal instead of on the temporary, so, no, we are huge, huge, huge Johnny fans, and, uh, um, never met her, but, um, you know, can't wait for an eternity with her and the Lord Jesus. That's for sure. I want to go in on a foot race between you and Johnny, and I'll be in the middle. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I think the <laughs> best thing would just be no more. I mean, I think about running would probably be fun, but I just think it never robbing God of the glory that he deserves again. You know, that it is down here where there's, there's temptations and sin, but uh, um, now Johnny... I can't wait for that. that. Okay, let me jump in here, Jerry. We need to take a quick break. Paul, great question. 877-548-3675. More with Jerry Ediger straight ahead on Moody Radio. We'll get right back to Jerry Ediger's story here in a moment. I was uh, at a grocery store over the weekend, and I'd put everything in, and I got in, started the car, and there was a woman, a middle-aged woman, who pecked on my window, and she had a, uh, a piece of paper there in front of her. I rolled the window down. How are you doing today? Are you a registered voter in uh, in the state of Arizona is where I live? I said, yeah, sure am. And so she went through her, you know, we're taking signatures for this and that. And they, oh, and there's the women's health care. We really need the women's health care because there are people who are not getting their health care. And I said, well, what kind of health care are you talking about? <laughs> and I figured out what it was pretty quickly. And, and I, I kid you not, it came up so naturally in the conversation. I said, well, the, you know, it was talking about the value of life. And I said, there's a group called CareNet. And what they do is they come alongside someone, a, a young woman, middle-aged woman who has a, an unplanned pregnancy, and they come alongside and help her through that. And if the man is in the picture, they, they help him as well. And I didn't say this, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I wonder if one of the reasons why she's getting signatures for this is because she's been through that before. I saw a statistic a little earlier uh, today about regret and the emotional people who women who have a abortion who have regret. That's what ARC is all about: the abortion recovery and care ministry with CareNet. Because the knock against pro-life people is you only care about the baby until it's born. 
And that's not true. As a matter of fact, CareNet comes alongside of people who are who had abortions in their past, and they just want to help them recover, move toward wholeness, a whole heart, move toward Jesus. Would you click the green CareNet button today at chrisfabrylive.org? Somebody you know or will meet in a parking lot of a grocery store needs to know about the ministry of CareNet. She and I... You know, we had a good conversation, and she smiled when I drove away and somebody else came. But we had this conversation, even though we're, we have a difference of opinion on that. And I'm hoping it made some kind of an impression on her. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click CareNet today, and see about the ministry that goes on there. Jerry Ediger, E-D-I-G-E-R, is a Bible teacher at Westminster Christian Academy in Watkinsville, Georgia. You can find out more about him at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. I got to find out about Amy. How in the world did you two meet? Yeah, Amy's uh, so amazing. Uh, we, we, we moved to, my brother and I moved to Myrtle Beach to, um, for me to work at a church uh, there with uh, a man who had discipled me at Columbia Bible College. Um, so we were at Surfside Prez over there, and Amy was in the same church, uh, the same uh, kind of singles group, and her character just uh, grew on me and uh, in such a way that, you know, I really thought she was the one. And so um, she's just so faithful, even in the beginning, to kind of go, spend a week uh, looking up quadriplegia and what she was getting into and uh, just committed to say, I know this is going to be a different, you know, different than any other wife has to deal with because all the craziness she has to deal with day in and day out, you know, just fascinating. But she is so faithful. She is so loyal. um, Just behind the scenes serves in an incredible way, and uh, I just can't wait to see her her rewards in heaven. So we've been married 25 years, and it gets better by the day, and uh, just, uh, just love her so much. <laughs> so where did you go on your first date? Then? Oh, man, I think it was, um, oh, um, I, I think one of them was with my mom and dad to see my brother coaching Hilton Head. And yeah. I don't know if she would call that a date because that was just a long old old drive with the whole family. So that was kind of a, a family date. And then we were at, um, you know, kind of a, just um, bumming around there in, uh, in Surfside. Uh, so there, there were a lot of um, good times. And, you know, there was – that time where we were just getting to know each other where she was just so gracious to say, um, once again, she was getting into a lot that she didn't really know, but just trusted God that God would give her the grace. And he has. Did people tell her, Hey, you know, God bless you, but you don't, you shouldn't do this. It's going to be too hard. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. She doesn't confess that a bunch, but there had to be, Someone that was kind of, you know, almost talking some sense and saying, hey, is this, are you sure this is what you want? And, uh, you know, I think even her parents to some degree. And um, she just was so convinced that uh, that's what the Lord had called her to do. And um, and she's just been faithful to, um, to do that in, in an incredible way. 
You talked about your brother going with you to that church where you were working. What yeah. do you mean by that? Did did he do everything for you to prep you and and at night? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mike, my brother, is four years younger than me, and uh, he moved out to Myrtle Beach with me just, again, graciously, so that I would have a chance to do that. Um, and so we moved from the, the farm in Nebraska to the to the beach in South Carolina, you know, a drastic difference. But um, he was early on just as faithful as, you know, Amy has been in the last 25 years. So, you know, once again, help me get in and out uh, of bed, just all the the things that go with uh, being a quadriplegic. And, uh, yeah, his faithfulness. That's another one you'll, uh, you'll want to be uh, seeing when the Lord rewards him because there will be incredible rewards in heaven for, for him. And, uh, and ironically enough, it was kind of, he works at, at school with me. So um, we moved out here sort of to be with him, and it was nepotism that got me hired at school. He had already been working there three years, and so uh, now he's been there 26, and I've been there 23. <laughs> you said in one of the uh, videos that I watched, uh, a message that you gave, your trials are not the problem well, you said this for you. My trials are not the problem. My attitude about my trials is the problem. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I no, I think that that's true for me, and I, I don't know, maybe for a lot of us, but, you know, Second Corinthians 4, 16, 18 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way to glory, Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And, you know, Romans uh, 5 talks about how we can rejoice in our suffering because it's going to produce perseverance and character and hope. And James says we got pure joy in our um, trials or, you know, really commands us to, knowing that that's going to, uh, you know, make us more like the Lord Jesus. And so... I'm just convinced that God is perfect in bringing just the trial that we need. And, you know, every good time that we need. He's, he's, God's in heaven and he does what he pleases. So it pleases him to bring us our circumstances. So that's why I want to become more convinced each day um, in sanctification that the circumstances are just right. They're tailor-made for us. It's just my attitude about them that is often... Uh, not so good. And I, you know, I forget um, his great and precious promises. So when you, you stub your toe or you have uh, car problems and you got a, you know, you got debt that you, you don't know how you're going to pay for this or you lose a job or whatever, what you're encouraging us to do is not, uh, don't spike that. If you feel bad about it, there's a lot of a lament in the scriptures. You see the psalmist talking about and the evil out there and everything. But to have the attitude that maybe God has something more than just what I see in front of me, maybe there's something more that's going on. That's what you're saying. I think that's exactly right. That's when it's time to live by faith and not by sight. And he has given us so many great and precious promises to believe that he absolutely is going to work that together for good. That's just because he promises that, you know, and, and I think through the rest of that 
passage, verse 29 in Romans 8 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So I think the good in Romans 8, 28 isn't all things don't work together to make me more comfortable or to have more fun, but to make me more like Jesus and, you know, and every, all believers, not just me. So, you know, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers, those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, or I think we can say, since God is for us, who can be against us? And I love verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And I think the all things there, Chris, is just everything we need for life and godliness, everything we need to grow in him. That's going to be the good times and the bad times. I mean, in our mind, they're all really good times coming from the Lord. Yeah, that's part of that's part of God's gumbo. <laughs> you know, it's part of the soup that He gives us. But I spend so much of my time, Jerry. I'll be honest with you: avoiding pain, avoiding suffering. And we talk a lot about being the steward of your time and your talent and your treasure. We don't spend a whole lot of time talking about being stewards of the pain and the struggle that God allows into our life. And when I hear your story, it is just overflowing with that. God, whatever it is that it takes to draw me closer to you and to make me more like your son, I'm in. And I have more questions straight ahead on Moody Radio. Jerry Ediger is a Bible teacher at Westminster Christian Academy in Watkinsville, Georgia. In uh, November of 1983, he was paralyzed from the neck down in a championship football game. First play. And I want to ask about that in just a minute, but uh, Margaret's on the line. Margaret, you're on with Jerry. Go right ahead. Hello, Jerry. Um, Hi, Mark. I am, I am, to say the least, inspired by your story. And when you described your injury of the C4 and C5, um, I I knew I had to call in because uh, it's been a year now. And I was coming home late at night and hit a car going at 60 plus miles an hour. And my C4 and C6 or C3, C5, I, I'd have to look at it to remember which ones. But um, I realized God had a plan because they were non-displaced fractures, as they called it, and I learned from my doctor what that meant. They were cracked and not broken. And to think that I could have been paralyzed, and yet God saw fit to see me through that. And um, it it helped me, and you sound, it helped me so much to, one, be grateful and to get a better perspective of everything. And I will tell you, I will say, as I was hitting the concrete barriers and getting hit by another car, et cetera, et cetera, I found myself saying, thank you, God, for concrete barriers. And I always found it kind of funny that that's where my mind went. And a year later, as I look at it, I'm listening to you and thinking, wow, um, one, what a message, and two, what an inspiring witness to what God can do. And well, I, it sounds like, Margaret, it, you had that same experience of, there, there was a peace in the midst of the, 
whatever's in those airbags that comes out, there's a piece. And you felt that as well, Jerry. Is is that true there on the field, a piece? Oh, yeah. Margaret, what a great story. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, there was the piece that surpasses all understanding. It's certainly like the Philippians 4-7. And that is just, it's remarkable. And, and uh, certainly when I drive, my wife prays and God's in heaven and he does what he pleases. We've had um, a bunch of accidents that God orchestrated, you know, like yours, uh, Margaret, where um, nobody was hurt. And uh, and so by uh, the Lord's so gracious. That's a great story. Yeah. So in the uh, Margaret, God bless you, friend. Thank And I'm very happy to hear of the t- after a year and that you were able to hear the program today. And thank you for following that prompting, too, of, of calling in. Um, in the 40th anniversary in November, the uh, the guys kind of got together, and you were a part of that. You zoomed in on that. Tell me about it. Yeah, we weren't able to get back to Henderson. It's too far to uh, get to uh, this time of year during school. But, yeah, we're able to zoom in and, and uh, talk to some of the buddies that played football with and uh, those guys, a lot of them really love the Lord. And so that was a, that was a pretty neat time to uh, touch base with some of those guys. It sounds like th- was the game that uh, that night postponed then after your accident? No, they went. They finished. And, uh, Chris, what you talk about, I listened to the last minute and a half of the game on the radio in the hospital. And we won 28 nothing. But the guys always told me that I could have kept it a lot closer than that. And I've been I've probably been 28-21, gave up a couple of touchdowns all by myself like normal. But, yeah, I remember listening to the end, you know, while they were working on my on my neck. How do you keep the the humor? Is that is that is that part of your family growing up that that you you made fun and and you laughed a lot? Yeah, certainly my dad and both of my brothers. Wow, really, really fun guys. But you know, I I do think that um, God's just given so much grace that it, um, it some of this it is hard to just imagine. Well. One thing I would say, Chris, without the Lord, I don't think anything would be humorous. But with him, you know, it's just a God-given um, blessing that we have that we can laugh and enjoy. All Here's what I think. Um, since all his promises are true, we just as well believe them and enjoy them. Um, because they're going to be true whether I enjoy them or not. So since they're true, I just as well enjoy them. And, and, uh, and I think that's something that I want to work at and grow in. What about becoming a dad? What did that do to you? Uh, oh, so thrilling. Yeah. We had to go jump through some hoops to, to get there, but Amy's faithfulness again, and, and uh, Ben and Mags are uh, fantastic. Obviously they uh, have a lot in their life. That would be far different than um, other kids growing up. Ben and Megs are both, uh, just incredible and how many hours, days, decades, you know, uh, that they've served me and, uh, and both of them are extraordinary. And, and once again, to see the way the Lord rewards them someday for their faithfulness. But yeah, that's, you know, besides the day God gripped my heart and when I got married to Amy and, um, had Ben and had Maggie, um, certainly breaking my neck was probably the next best day, but those have been certainly days that uh, I, I wouldn't trade for anything. 
And you say that breaking your neck was was a, a great day in your life because of the the way that God has changed you from the inside out. Uh, yes, sir. I think that's exactly that's exactly right. And and you know, um, I guess honestly, every day gets better just because we're one day closer to being home and one day closer to. Uh, what we have to look forward to and to be excited about. And uh, your Colossians 3 says, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And so there's just so much to look forward to. And, and I, I do think that trials are good for us. Another one of the you know billions of reasons that God brings them in our life is it helps us to keep a loose grip on this life and a tighter grip on on the eternal. Certainly, Johnny is is great at uh, teaching us that, and you know, want to grow in that with you know just a mindset of thinking eternally. You know, we're almost home, and I can't wait. It's going to be be a great day, but it's abundant down here too. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to most about heaven? I think just not robbing God of the glory that He deserves. You know, being free from sin, selfishness, uh, the temptations that um, that get me down here. Um, you know, never wronging each other, uh, uh, being able to uh, love others uh, the way Christ loves us. Um, I just long for that. You know, the the spiritual well being that I'll go with, never ever ever sinning again. Yeah. Jerry, you're a real treasure. And uh, what I said a little earlier about being stewards of the trials and stewards of the pain, you've lived that, you know, and, and you haven't done perfectly, but your attitude about your trials now is so different and they inform our lives. Now, again, not to compare my trials with your trials, but to say, if Jerry can embrace his life and see God at work, then I can do the same thing with whatever's going on. So thanks for being honest with us, for just sharing your story here and uh, give Amy a big hug for us. Okay. I will do Chris. Thanks so much for everything. That's Jerry Ediger getting to know him at the back fence. And you know why we're getting to know him at the back fence? Because somebody reached out, Pete, Peter reached out and said, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. And you've heard it today, and my guess is it's done something in your life. And there may be somebody else who needs to hear Jerry's story. You can share the podcast with them. Tell them about the uh, Go to ChrisFabryLive.org. You can hear it right there. And come on back tomorrow for the program, which is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.